Welcome to the Beyond 3D podcast, where we explore all things 3D related. Technology trends, challenges customers face, business issues, and the opportunities around software development for the engineering, manufacturing, and AEC industries. We also discuss the important role that 3D data plays throughout the manufacturing process, driving decisions throughout the product's life cycle. Here on Beyond 3D, we talk with industry analysts, business owners, developers, and industry influencers, and hear real stories that you can relate to and learn from, and know which trends and technologies apply to your business. So join us as we go Beyond 3D. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Beyond 3D, the podcast about everything 3D software engineering software. Today on the show, we have Umer Ijaz from Visual Components. We're super excited to have him. Before we get into it, Umer, do you mind just going over what Visual Components is and give a little bit background into you and the company? Right. First of all, thanks for inviting me to this podcast. Very excited. So Visual Components is a manufacturing simulation solution or let's say software that helps to design, simulate, visualize, and test the production systems in a virtual environment before taking the projects to real shop floors. So we've been around since 1999, and Visual Components was founded by three exceptional and I'd say visionary minds, two of them from Finland and one from US. So I don't know if you've noticed, but very recently Visual Components Group has acquired Delphi Robotics. They are our long-term partners specializing in offline robot programming solutions. So why I mention this is because with that acquisition, Visual Components provides end-to-end solutions to bring conceptual simulations to real production systems. That was a little bit about Visual Components, about myself. So I'm Omer Jazz. I'm product marketing manager at Visual Components, and I've been here since 2019. So it's been over three years now. And I'm responsible for product marketing strategy. That includes product releases, product communication, content creation, customer success stories, and all the things related to those areas. Thank you. So I know in the past 20 years in manufacturing space, there's been a lot of change in that space. How have you seen things evolve in the industry? And how has visual components kind of shifted over the last couple of decades to meet those changes? Right. Great question. And there are, I see two parts to this question. So first about the industry. So I think there has been quite a shift in the way manufacturing industry operates, whether it's production planning, engineering, or management. A couple of decades ago, if you really think about it, the manufacturers wanted to fulfill the customer orders, and that was their priority. So as long as everything was okay about the production output, If it was on target and orders were shipped on time, the decision makers or executives were pretty satisfied. But as the years went by, even though the priority or primary goal is still fulfilling the orders, but focus has been changing to factors like reducing operational costs, lowering the budget tied to inventories, maximizing the potential of resources. And then automation is another major factor that has changed the way manufacturers approach their processes. So in the past 20 years, there's quite a difference as to what has been happening in manufacturing space. Now, if we think about visual components, I think we've come a long way too. When we started, the product was basically an offline software 
to build layouts and simulate the functionality. 20 years later, you can simulate layouts offline and then test them with physical PLCs and robot controllers. So it's not only about building virtual systems, but you can actually bring the virtual programs to real hardware. The scale of these systems that you can simulate has also evolved. So years ago, you could build smaller robot cells as the computational power was also limited. But now in visual components, you can simulate large scale systems with visual workflows. So more ease of use. Also, the simulation can be used with technologies like VR. You can show or have the layouts running on your even mobile app. So, I mean, and in, and in my honest opinion, there, it's just, we are just starting. I mean, there are exciting things coming in the future. So I did have just kind of like a question off of that. I know mm -hmm. digital twins has been something I guess just in general, that's been kind of a little bit of a buzzword. Is that something that visual components is also dabbling in as well, or is that completely separate? Uh, absolutely. So digital twins, like, again, is one of those keywords is, is very differently perceived among different circles. So there are three sides to it. And I would say there are three different terms related to digital twins and people will usually mix them a lot. So what I understand is there's a digital model. That means that you have a digital model on a software running. And then there's this digital shadow, which kind of the digital model is kind of working together with your systems, but it's not really two-way communication stream. Digital twin, in my opinion, means that you have a digital model that is also a digital shadow, but then there's a two-way stream between what you see on your software and what is running in the hardware in real life. And then both, both of these systems can communicate with each other. And visual components has been becoming very strong tool and solution along those areas very recently. So we have added features where you can test the programs with the real PLCs. We have added features where you can test the ro robot programs that you simulate in the virtual environment together with the real robot controllers. You can just, in few clicks, transfer the projects to the real robots. And you're doing that, you can have a real life digital twin and you can have the same program running in the software. And you can see, just you can just turn your eyes and see the same thing happening in the real life. So definitely that is where we've been proving a lot. And uh, visual components is one of those tools that can help you create the digital twins. Cool, thank you. Um, so I know you mentioned a little bit before that visual components helps people build factories more efficient and to kind of reduce costs and things like that. Mm -hmm. What kind of things have you seen people like, what is building more efficiently look like? And how does having a software kind of help with building things more efficiently? I think we have to kind of look at the simulation technology in general. So. Uh, and if we think about it, simulation technology has been around for a very long time. So in very different shapes and forms, it can be used for, it has been used for mathematical computations, weather assessment, defense industry has been using, using these technologies, gaming industry has been using simulators for a long time. So simulation has its use cases in different industries and for different applications. So what visual, how visual components really helps the engineers, planners, system integrators, decision makers, manufacturers is that it allows 
them to test ideas in virtual environment without any implications on their running physical systems. So you can test the concepts or you can really simulate the detailed processes to validate the functionality of the systems. Also communication is another area that can be massively improved with the use of simulation. So you mentioned about efficiency, right? Let's talk about an example. Let's imagine that a manufacturer wants to invest in a new robot cell in their factory. So where do they start? Uh, now it's pretty common that manufacturers are so busy in their operations that they don't have a lot of time to test and check the equipment they like to invest in. So they hire system integrators or consultants for this work. Now, how do system integrators sell their idea or convince the manufacturers that a particular equipment helps them to become more efficient? I think visual simulation is the right way and only effective way to do it. I mean, there are tons and tons of problems that can be solved related to, for example, robot reachability, floor space issues, layout designs, using mobile robots, adding conveyor systems, and so on. And all of these issues are very difficult to resolve without having technology like simulation and without really showing visually that this system works. Because otherwise, you are just relying on a trial and error and just hoping to God that it works. <laughs> yeah, that, that does sound rough. And I would imagine for, I guess, manufacturing, if you don't simulate something and it goes wrong, it would be very, very expensive. So that makes sense. I know you did mention robots and something I've heard about. I'm not specifically in the manufacturing space, but I've heard a lot about cobots, which from my understanding are aids to, I guess, human factory workers. Have you seen that kind of in your space? And how does visual components kind of help with I guess, planning for cobots, because from my understanding, they need to be positioned in certain areas and things like that. Right. Good question again. Uh, yeah, they're they are indeed getting popular, and we are also seeing more and more cobot manufacturers in our list of customers as well. But I think we have to understand that the traditional industrial robots, the heavyweight ones, and the cobots, which are like lighter weight, smaller version of industrial robots, both can have their place and their value in automation. Now, where cobots are really great is for applications like lightweight material handling or pick and place. They are good with manufacturing systems that have a limited floor space, so they don't really take a lot of space to get installed. They are really great for assembly work together with humans. They are, they are also built for applications like force-sensitive work or working with smaller parts like electronic chips. So some of these applications demand very precise work where human skills are more valuable and they can be used better, but together with robots. So what happens is that these precise works that require human skills, for these applications, human skills are used, but then repetitive tasks are then assigned to robots or cobots. So humans and workers can work together. I mean, that's a great thing and kind of works very well against this perception that Robots are taking the jobs away. So cobots, as, as they call, they're called collaborative robots, work with humans very well. Now, visual components, in the visual components point of view, before we go there, I think one of the important things is to mention that we have one of the unique selling points of visual components is we have a library of simulation models that we call eCAT. So that eCatalog 
As of this podcast has over 2,800 ready to use simulation models, which include 1,700 robots, actually more than that, from over 60 robot brands. If we now think about cobots, we have, I was just calculating them a few days ago. So we have about 100 of them from 26 different robot brands, like Universal Robots, Fanuc, Fuka, Doosan Robotics, AVP, and many other brands. So what that means is any system integrator that works with these cobots or any manufacturer that uses these cobots can just drag and drop these models from our e-catalog to the 3D world, simulate their applications, validate the functionality, and then they already know how they are going to behave before they are investing in them. And not only that, we have post-processors and connectivity features for some of these cobot brands with which the users can transfer their robot programs to actual robot controllers. So that means that it really saves tons of time from manually programming the cobots using teach pendants. So again, whether it's cobots or traditional robots, visual components can be used for all kinds of industrial applications. And the value at the end is that you already know what you're investing in and you save time uh, of, in robot programming. So basically you don't have any last minute surprises on the shop floor. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I know like 2019, 2020, there were a lot of changes just across the board, but I would imagine in manufacturing as well, you know, I know production slowed down and things like that. Did that have any impact on how people are building factories now? Are they using more cobots or mm-hmm. how did that kind of impact what you're seeing with your customers? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic has, has played a massive part in how manufacturing systems could be redesigned, rebuilt, repurposed, or revamped. And as you said, the way that they worked has changed a lot. So, I mean, all of this redesigning, or rebuilding, or repurposing, all of these purposes can are, are done for, could be manufacturing new products, adapting to the work and travel restrictions, supply chain disruption, so forth. So if we go back a couple of years, once the COVID restrictions were implemented, every day was basically a new day with new challenges for manufacturing. There were days where they didn't have enough availability of labor. There were days when they didn't have their operations planned due to unavailability of raw material. There were days when they were they were unclear about the demand forecast. So they didn't know how much quantity they should be producing. And then there were cases when the system builders or integrators weren't able to travel to the factories to help with layout designs. Now, if you think about pharma companies, I mean, they had to constantly change their plans to produce the the medicines or PPEs in demand. So with this kind of challenges looming around, I think a lot of them that were especially a step behind in automation began to realize the value of solution like simulation. And we noticed a clear transition in their way of adapting to new tools. So a lot of these challenges that I mentioned can be addressed with simulation tools because this technology allows uh, much more flexibility and helps respond to all these kind of changes much faster, thereby saving the time and costs. So if you have, if you don't have availability of labor, you can just bring in a robot in the system in, in that virtual environment and see if it works. Of course, it's not as easy as it sounds that you, if you don't have a availability of labor, how do you then invest in a robot right away? But, but what it helps with is really opening up the minds of the traditional manufacturers that 
there are other ways of maximizing the potential of their factories. And if it comes to building new factories, the same way we have, we know, I know cases where some of our customers have built completely new factories using simulation tools. There was one of that interesting cases from Netherlands where I think in a span of two months, they, or was it, was it one month? Uh, something like five, six weeks, they were able to build a new factory to build, to manufacture face masks from scratch. And when they talked about it, I was really surprised that actually simulation is being used for these kind of applications, but they did. And they did a huge favor, or let's say a lot of this, they brought a lot of value to their community by, you know, completing the demand of face masks during those times. So yeah, factories, the way they are built, has been changing with these kind of tools, especially after the pandemic. Thank you. And six weeks is a very short amount of time. I just, I can't imagine a whole factory being built. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just as a jump off of this question, Mm -hmm. in the case where like something went wrong, can companies use simulation to plan like an alternate way of doing things? Like let's say a piece of equipment went out and they could like simulate that that use case and then have a backup plan yeah that's that's that is typically one of the cases as well that these days there are so many supply chain disruptions we all know that there's a lack of some chips electronic chips for automotive industry or you might have noticed that a lot of gaming equipment has been short in the market you can't really buy playstation new playstation when it was released and the reason was that there was a supply chain disruption. There was there was a lack of raw material. And what simulation really allows the manufacturers to do is they can, in the virtual system, quickly bring in a new product and change their plans. So, for example, if they ran out of the raw material or they were notified that, hey, we can't supply raw material after this week, they can quickly change their plans and bring in a new product for, for which they have the raw materials already. And um, it sometimes it doesn't need that much work, but sometimes you do have to redesign the lines a little bit, change the location of the workstations, and you know, voila, you have another product running into that production system. So you don't have to wait. You don't have to think about okay, how do we fulfill these lines? How how do we keep our workers busy? Because for manufacturing systems or industries, the worst nightmare is that your production line is empty. And the workers are just sitting idle doing nothing. So, and that happens a lot with these supply chain disruptions. So simulation allows you to be more flexible in the sense that you can just redesign quickly, adapt to the changes quickly, and just get your systems running. So do you think, I guess, in the future when people are using simulation more, that supply chain disruptions will be a little bit less costly because people aren't waiting around as much? Do you think it'll allow people to pick up? more quickly once those things do happen? I would think so, definitely. Of course, it's not great to have that supply chain disruption, like having consistency there because manufacturers do like to plan things. They do like to have better understanding about the demand forecast and so on. So they want to plan systems in advance. But in case that happens and and that continues, manufacturers will have more and more flexibility to adapt to those kind of challenges using the simulation tools. they I would say that they won't be terrified of the situation that, oh, our workers are sitting idle or our robot is sitting idle and we are losing costs. They can adapt faster 
and they can react faster to these changes with simulation tools. That's really cool. Another question I have is, you know, not everybody that's planning to build a factory will know all the technical details that go into it. So let's mm-hmm. say someone like me was a stakeholder in building a factory. Does simulation help those people understand what the costs, benefits, and things are just by having a visual aid? Yeah. If you're planning a factory, new factory, or or kind of changing things in the current setups, the the most challenging thing sometimes is to convince the stakeholders or the shareholders or your decision makers at the top that, hey, we need to do these kind of changes, but it's very difficult to convince them. And with simulation, once you have the simulation running, at least the visual components, you can easily you know, track the statistics. You can have statistics dashboards. You can measure the cycle times. You can measure production throughput. You can measure production output rate and many different statistics. So based on those, it's easy to show and convince uh, that the ideas that you have in mind or the systems that they think they would they would plan, but they wouldn't work, it's easy to show them through this visual simulation technology rather than just doing a sketch or kind of showing the spreadsheets or just someone walking around the shop floor with the stopwatch measuring cycle times of each of these tasks and then coming up to their workstations, doing some calculations. Because all of this data, if that is not visually speaking for itself, it's a problem. It's very difficult to convince the decision makers that we have to stop and kind of change some things because for them, stopping production is a non-negotiable thing. But if you can really show them that, hey, look at this, with this current setup, we are losing costs. And if with this new setup, we are maybe, even if we are just improving a worker's movement from one station to another with slight changes of you know, relocating the workstations by 50%, like, work, for example, a worker is moving from one station to another in 20 seconds. But now with slight, you know, relocation of the workstations, the worker is now only taking 10 seconds to do that task. That creates a massive, like, uh, effect on the cost savings. And there are tons and tons of similar things happening on the on the factory floors. So, yes, you can save a lot of these costs and be more efficient with visual tools when building a new factory. When building a new factory, you have more time. You can check things more, more frequently. You can test them very easily. But with the running systems, I think the value of simulation is even higher because you can just do it on the go and you just have the, the visual proof that this works and this does not work with data. And that's what simulation can really help with. When people are simulating things, maybe let's say they're looking for one specific thing, is there any chance that they would find a problem that they didn't expect and just kind of be able to fix that before it becomes a problem? Oh yeah, a lot of times that happens. And that is where the, I think that is where the value, the real value of simulation is. You know, what happens is that the manufacturers, when a system is working, they're producing on time, they think that their costs are fine they actually don't realize that there are a lot of bottlenecks in their systems which are hidden, which they don't really know about. Or if they know about them, they are kind of not really 
focusing on them because you know th- there's this perception that well don't fix if something's not broken but it actually shouldn't work that way for example one of our customers invested in a robot sale what they didn't realize that there was a when they were about to bring it to the floor there was a pillar next to a conveyor and you know where they were supposed to put a robot the robot would actually collide with that pillar so you can have this very basic even structural issues that you can easily look through simulations that oh by the way we can't fit the robot in here it would start colliding with this pillar so that is just like very one basic use case there are many of them for example agvs or mobile robots working in a warehouse if you have sometimes the manufacturers think that oh uh, we should we we have eight of them we should have 10 of them to improve the production output well not necessarily because sometimes it has happened that they've invested in mobile robots and there was so much clutter on the production shop floor that there they started to have these traffic issues so at the end of the day they realized that well we didn't really need 10 but nine would have made it so and these kind of equipments that i'm talking about the robots mobile robots we are really talking about a lot of the costs hundreds of thousands of euros so you can't really just you know uh, invest in them without having a visual proof that they would work and we've noticed that our customers have really saved those kind of actual problems that they didn't realize were going to occur. But when they simulated um, the, the, their operations, they found them out that, oh, oh, look, we found this problem that we didn't know that would happen in the future. So definitely it, it helps. And it's a, I would say it's a great question. Thank you. Here's another question that I had. You know, I'm assuming simulation now there are areas of improvement, where do you see the simulation for manufacturing going? Where is it going to improve? Mm-hmm. How do you think it's going to get better? And do you think that people are going to just use it more and more as time goes on? Yeah, I think um, I would come back to your question to digital twins. I think that is where the simulation can really, you know, help make creating those digital twins, but real digital twins which is actually not the most common use case. People kind of, as I said, misinterpret them a little, but if we, if the simulation solutions like visual components is now becoming more and more strong at creating those digital twins, those digital twins can really help and take the operations for manufacturers to the next level. As you mentioned, those hidden challenges those hidden challenges can be even more and more visible if we have like real life digital twins. Another area that I recently noticed, I've been noticing is the trend of this industrial metaverse. Even though it sounds a far-fetched, sounds like a far-fetched reality, it's not actually that far away because we collaborated with NVIDIA not so long ago and NVIDIA has what they call Omniverse, NVIDIA Omniverse. And what that Omniverse is, is, it's basically in simple words, an industrial metaverse, but they have a platform where they can bring in and connect to different CAD systems, simulation systems, and so on. And you can build the solutions just like real life. So you can actually build digital twins, but now you have the connection to tons and tons of different systems that usually are not compatible together. But through Omniverse, they are compatible together. And now you have like a great platform to, you know, add 
more and more components and build your systems and kind of understand how they would work. So I would say industrial metaverse, digital twin, virtual commissioning, all of these are very closely connected. And that's where the, I think the industry is going in the, in the next few years. Gotcha. That sounds super exciting. Right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I had for today. Before we, I guess, wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to add or any plugs you wanted to give here at the end? I'd just say that, first of all, again, thanks for inviting me to this podcast. It was a really interesting conversation. And what I would really just short message would be to engineers or the decision makers or even the production managers or people at the middle level or middle management or senior management. Uh, I would just say that uh, manufacturing simulation is, is an essential tool for them. It's not a luxury anymore. It's not a far-fetched kind of fair, you know, that it, that can just, yeah, which would be good to have, but if you don't have that, it's fine. No, it's, it's, I think it's very, very essential these days because if you really want to optimize the costs, save time and produce efficiently, you need these kind of tools to, that can really help you facilitate and make better decisions, whether you want to invest in new equipment or whether you want to run operations smoothly. So, and visual components is just one of those tools. But what I, I'm, and I'm not saying this because I'm, I work at visual components, but I think it's one of the most easiest simulation solutions that I've seen. I've seen different simulation solutions. I've worked with them. And I think it's one of the most easy, easy to use, easy to adapt. Even a person who doesn't have a technical skills or technical background can easily set up conceptual layouts in minutes. So if anyone is still hesitant, that they are complicated to use or they are luxury to have. Those are, I think, slight misconceptions. People in the manufacturing space should really look at them and look at these tools and try to learn the value, real value of them. So have an open mind, adapt to these tools and make like build the systems of the future. Thank you, Amir. And thanks for everyone for joining us today. We will see you again next time. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond 3D podcast, hosted by TechSoft3D. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review, or subscribe on SoundCloud. To listen to past episodes or learn more about TechSoft3D, visit www.techsoft3d.com forward slash blog. Send us comments and suggestions at info at techsoft3d.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of Beyond 3D.